The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, good day, everyone. And as an announcement for before, before the talk, um, you know, we're getting to the point where I'm seriously considering opening for our doors here, our physical doors, so people can come here together and meditate and engage in the Dharma. And uh, we were planning to open in a week from today, on August 1st. So I think it's a prudent for us to uh, delay that opening and uh, continue online the way we have. Um, the... Uh, And the um, <clears throat> and part of the reason for that is that uh, this Delta variant that uh, is spreading, and we don't quite understand the implications of it and the impact it has. That uh, the degree to which even people who maybe have been vaccinated can be asymptomatic carriers of it, and what it means for us to come together here and you know somewhat close confines. <clears throat> and as it's still kind of growing, the Delta variant, uh, and the cases are growing here in our county here in California, I think that um, the prudent thing to do is to wait. And um, ideally we would wait, and I think, until uh, the, um, the local county health department uh, rescinds the request that people who, uh, even vaccinated people when they come together, uh, indoors that they would uh, uh, wear masks. So I don't know if that's the standard we want to keep, but at least for now, that's the request. And with the Delta variant, I think it's just better to wait. And um, so I think we'll, we'll just keep it open or in you know undefined when we'll open, and probably we'll have at least a week's notice that we can announce it here and our other uh, online. Um, um, our other online uh, offerings. And also we'll, we'll update the calendar, we'll update also on the IMC website uh, about what's happening. So hopefully you can keep, it, keep uh, track of these things, you'll know, those of you who are interested in coming locally and being here in person. So, you know, we've gone through, many of us, all of us, I guess, uh, many, many months now of this pandemic of COVID-19 era. And, um, and you know, when, when it first started here and we went into shelter in place in California back in March or April, I gave a talk about this being a time for kind of the shelter in place was kind of like a retreat and that many of the dynamics and that uh, the patterns that happen on retreat would probably unfold for people on this enforced uh, retreat of the shelter in place. And now oh, we're coming to a different phase of it. It's not clear exactly what phase. It's premature to say that we're completely open again and it's over here in California at least and Parts of the country and parts of the definitely parts of the world, it's raging and surging and you know tremendous suffering that's 
continuing with this uh, virus. And um, <clears throat> but to have some reflection, uh, what are the lessons from this? What are the how do we grow and develop uh, under uh, the impact of this uh, powerful event that's happening to us all? And so that's a little bit inspires this talk today. And uh, and I want to before I specify what the theme is, I want to say that um, one of the first things that really impressed me about the circumstance of that the beginning of the pandemic, beginning of shelter in place, is that um, <clears throat> uh, the same behavior looking from the outside can look exactly the same. Could be behavior which the main motivation is for individuals to protect themselves, and the same behavior uh, looks exactly the same would be to behave in such a way as to protect others. So what I mean by that is that uh, we're all, you know, subject to being maybe uh, getting sick from the virus. And so we might want to stay away from people who have the virus. We want to shelter in place. We might want to live apart. And, and that's what many of us have done now for many months. And uh, somewhat, for many people, somewhat isolated existences for this time. And so it can be motivated by protecting oneself. However, all of us uh, are capable of being a vector for it, a transmitter of the illness. Uh, we know that uh, people can have the virus and be asymptomatic. They have no idea that they're carrying it. And they're just walking walking transmitters. Uh, and uh, and so one way to protect peop- the, our neighbors, our friends, our family and others is to uh, not walk into public, not walk into their situation, not go to a wedding, not go to visit grandchildren or visit grandparents or not to go into places where we might be a transmitter. So both behaviors look exactly the same. And what struck me at the beginning of the pandemic is that if we could, if we uh, are motivated by care for others rather than only protecting ourselves, that I think that caring for others is, uh, is really good for the heart. It's really a wonderful kind of medicine and support. Um, there's a kind of a radiance or goodness that comes from that. And of course, protecting ourselves is not wrong. And some people have a higher need to do that than others for many different reasons, and that needs to be the focus. Um, but even there, <clears throat> it's possible to both protect oneself and at the same time do it for the sake of protecting others. And uh, and so this idea of being able to do both, uh, we don't have to choose one or the other. And that's kind of the theme of what I like to say here is that uh, uh, the Buddhist practice is a practice that uh, I'm hoping, I very much staked my career and practice and teaching on this, that as we develop in the practice, that uh, it becomes a natural thing to want to care for others or to be friendly or be supportive or have live in the world in a compassion in a world of suffering in a compassionate way, and um, and not to do it in a way that is 
uh, oppressive, not to do it in a way that is um, <clears throat> stressful, but really from the abundance of the heart, from a sense of the peacefulness, the openness, the heightened kind of uh, uh, 360 degree radiance of awareness and the heart of compassion that meets the world with our sensitivity and responds to it in some way. And that, uh, and that this is an integral part of Buddhist practice, is this uh, growing to become someone who will, uh, uh, in one way or the other, particular for each person, how it's done, live for the welfare and happiness of others. And for some people, it's uh, caring for their family. That's what, uh, for some people, it's caring for family and neighbors. For some people, it's uh, offering whatever they have to offer that brings joy and happiness to the world. Some people, it's to do, uh, to be actively involved in service roles where we're helping others and involved with others. And some people are activists and involved in uh, social action and some people humanitarian efforts. There's all this whole range of things that people will choose that a lot depends on their karma and their disposition and their circumstance. What's the right way? Um, but it's all ways of somehow having a heart that cares for the world. So when the Buddha, uh, after the Buddha was first awakened, and <clears throat> soon thereafter he set forth out into the world to teach what he had learned. And after some period, <clears throat> he had uh, gathered around him 60 people, six zero, who, <clears throat> who had uh, been transformed by his teachings and the practices taught, and they became fully enlightened, fully liberated. And at that point, he told them, and this is a quote, this is a pass passage that's quoted often, it's kind of beautiful, he instructed them, he gave them the final instruction. It's kind of like after all the instructions and all the practice, uh, they all end up here as a final instruction. And that is to go forth for the welfare of the world, welfare of the beings, the people of the world. Go forth for the happiness of this world of beings. Go forth out of care for this world of beings and people. No two of you, of you go in the same direction, spread out and live for the, and practice and teach for the welfare and happiness of all people and all gods. The word gods here, it's possible it means, uh, sometimes the word dev, deva means uh, kings. So go for the four for the welfare of all beings, all humans, uh, ordinary humans and those who are in ruling position, uh, who sometimes need greater, greater um, remedial uh, support for le learning how to be free and really understand what freedom from suffering really is. And um, <clears throat> so I, I love this little passage that uh, that the instructions are to go forth for the welfare and happiness of the of the world. Um, that that's that's kind of like it's like the north star of what Buddhist practice is aiming towards. Uh, this is the final instructions. And um, and then if we go to a whole different um, set of teachings, 
which is uh, also emphasizes uh, this care for others and care for oneself. And this is the Buddha's teachings to his son. So he had a son who spent uh, much of his growing up under the guidance of his father. From the, they think about from the age seven onwards. And uh, at some point, the Buddha uh, gave him this uh, instructions that could be seen. Some people say, well, this is kind of a child-appropriate kind of teaching. But because it's so simple and so to the heart of the matter, uh, it's maybe easier to understand and all the rest of Buddhism can be seen as an expansion of this particular teaching. It's, uh, it seems the way the story is go, uh, told that uh, his young son, maybe seven, eight, nine years old, uh, was caught telling a lie. And, uh, and um, so the Buddha... Uh, uh, addresses him about this and says, you know, that if a someone on the spiritual path tells a lie, it kind of uh, uh, undermines the value of their practice, and can really empties the kind of reservoirs of goodness or dharma inside of a person that really would allow a person to grow and develop. So he kind of, kind of little bit strong, strong language like this, like that there's not really... Um, that someone who's on the path should never lie. And um, and after he does that, he says this. He says, what's the purpose of a mirror? And his son says, oh, the purpose of a mirror is for reflection, to see yourself in the mirror. And uh, the Buddha said, in the same way, the Dharma is like a mirror. The purpose is to see yourself and to reflect yourself more clearly. And this is how you do it. Before you say something, before you do something, and before you intentionally think about something, you should reflect. You should look at that. Take a good look at yourself with these criteria. Is what I'm about to say, will it cause affliction? Will it cause harm? to yourself, to others, or to both self and others. If you say it, if you do it, or even if you think it, will it cause harm? And if it does, don't do it. If it doesn't cause harm, if it's for the benefit of others, then please go ahead and do it. While you're doing something or saying something, or even while you're reflecting and thinking about something, also use that Dharma mirror. Look at yourself and ask yourself the question, as I'm doing this, is it for my own harm, for the harm of others, or for the harm of both self and others? And if it's harmful, stop doing it. If it's not harmful, if it's for the benefit of others and self, then keep doing it. And then he says, uh, after you've done something, after you've said something, after you've finished some action that you've done, after you've spent some time thinking about someone or someone, something, you should also use a Dharma mirror to be reflective life, questioning yourself, looking at yourself, considering the impact, the consequences of your behavior. 
And, uh, and uh, did it cause harm to yourself? Did it cause harm to others? Did it ca- cause harm to self and others? If it did, then go find someone that you respect a lot. The ancient language is a wise person. Find a wise person and let them know. There's the alchemy, the chemistry of the inner life is such that if, you, if you've caused harm and you just, like, not exactly a confession, but just kind of make it acknowledged in the presence of something else, it changes the, some inner relationship to it all. It's easier for you to kind of not succumb to the same thing again. It's, it's more likely to be, if you're accountable in some healthy way, um, and, uh, and you're not, and you're little, not public to everyone, but you share it with someone else, then you're a little bit more accountable to that person, to yourself. It's a little bit more like a fuller recognition that creates the conditions that you're more likely to be careful in the future. So as the Buddha said, go tell someone. And then, uh, uh, but if it's uh, in, after you've done something and it uh, has not been harmful to anyone, for self or others, has been beneficial, then just go about your business happily. That's that's great. So what we find here at uh, at the if the teaching his son when his son was just a kid is kind of like the most beginning level of Dharma practice, of Dharma teaching. That here also we find a concern, emphasis and a concern of being care careful for the welfare of others, to not cause harm in the world. Uh, uh, to anyone, including oneself, and um, it wasn't only about not harming harming oneself, only doing things beneficial for oneself. It's equal concern for self, for others, and then this third category, self and others, which I understand it's, that includes kind of we as a as a community, we as a as a group, as a dynamic of people who work together, the relationship between us. And um, so one way, so we see here in these two examples how integral it is to the teachings of the Buddha, um, the concern for the welfare of others and well-being of others and the concern with not causing harm to others or, and to ourselves. Uh, and that all along, from between the beginning instructions to the final instructions to go forth for the welfare of others, we see over and over again that we come back to this idea that um, that uh, the Dharma has a lot, Dharma practice, the maturing in the Dharma, has a lot to do with how we care for others as well. And with the example uh, that I, what I was inspired by at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, perhaps also we begin discovering uh, a way of having this care and sensitivity and carefulness for the welfare of others to not cause harm, that doesn't feel punitive, that doesn't feel constricting, it doesn't feel limiting, but actually is opposite. That as we go forward, that um, and consider others, that we're doing so from this openness, this uh, 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 you know uh, uh, inclusiveness, this um, uh, unconstricted place, unlimited place. Un, uh, we're not, our concerns are not narrowed and tight, 
but our concerns come out of an openness and a wideness and a receptivity all the way around. And that, and there's a way in which when we're excessively concerned with ourselves, our own, you know, our own well-being, our own, um, uh, you know, protecting ourselves or benefiting ourselves, as I said earlier, sometimes that's a completely appropriate and necessary and should be appreciated as such. But human beings also have a tremendous capacity for being selfish, for having conceit. And when that happens, then the self-concern uh, feels like a narrowing, a tightening, a shutting down. And this is one of the great advantages of meditation, is we can have a experienced, experiential, a felt sense experience of what it feels like to be, start closing down, constricting, tightening the tension and the stress of selfishness, the tension and stress of conceit, of excessive self-preoccupation. And, uh, and, and, a, and a felt sense experience that when we open up, there's a way of caring for the world that is absence of stress, absence of a kind of tension that feels has a kind of a, uh, a rightness to it, a nourishing to it, a, a um, freedom to it. Even if what we're encountering in the world, the suffering in the world is quite uncomfortable, um, and this kind of the goodness of this, the support of that. And so I think that kind of inherent in the Dharma practice is uh, a learning, perhaps a slow learning, <clears throat> of the disadvantages of shutting down, closing down, or having this very strong <coughs> um, uh, division, divisiveness, boundaries between self and others, that... Um, it's actually kind of harmful to oneself, and it leads to ways, easy ways of harming others. That those begin to dissolve, begin to soften, to open, and it isn't that the boundaries completely dissolve exactly uh, between self and other. That distinction doesn't completely disappear, but um, it becomes one that is there's an, a sensitivity and an openness and intimacy, without this strong reference to me, myself, and I here and openness, uh, relaxation, uh, freedom. And um, <clears throat> and then uh, one more teachings of the Buddha around this. It's such a, I think, a very important topic to think carefully about. And that is that um, uh, the Buddha gave this uh, teachings about uh, four different ways in which people uh, might orient themselves towards others or to benefiting others. The first one is to have no interest in the welfare of either oneself or others. The second is to be interested in, in the welfare and happiness of others, but not oneself. The third is to be concerned for the welfare and happiness of oneself, but not be involved in benefiting others. And the fourth is to be concerned for the welfare and happiness of oneself, of others, and of the whole world. And, uh, and then he goes on to say that the last of these uh, is the foremost, is the best. And that it, he says it's kind of like um, uh, if you take milk and it gets, in the, uh, you, 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 it gets curdled into curds 
and then from the curds you can make ghee, and from ghee apparently you can get the cream of the ghee, like the the the, the best parts of the ghee if you separate it maybe or something. And uh, at least in the translation that I have says that then finally you get to the cream of the ghee. And um, and the last category, the person's concerned for both self and the whole world, um, that's kind of the equivalent of the cream of the ghee kind of person, the foremost person. But what's interesting is that there's a hierarchy here there, between these. And um, and where caring only for others or caring only for se- ourself fits into these categories is fascinating, I think. Because... Um, uh, the second best is to care for oneself without caring for others. Third best is caring for others but not oneself. And this, I think, is a little bit jarring. It was a little bit jarring for me when I first saw it. For some people it's jarring because there's, sometimes there's a message that we should really care about others first before ourselves. We shouldn't be selfish. And uh, caring for others is really the highest kind of virtue we can have. But I think in the Buddhist analysis that if we care for others before we have developed ourselves, developed our own capacity and and understanding of liberation, of freedom, before we've kind of freed ourselves of some of our uh, capacity for attachments, for clinging, for hostility and irritation and cynicism and, and resentment and that then it's all too easy to cause harm when we're involved in supporting other people. But if we practice for our own benefit first, then we learn at some point what the highest benefit is. We learn what the human capacity is for real, deep, thoroughgoing, fully embodied, heartfelt well-being and peace and happiness. That's what the Dharma is moving towards. And then when we want to support and help others, we have a reference point of how deeply and fully this is possible for people, that we can point to that or we can support that or we have a north star of what we're trying to do for them. Um, and uh, and so, uh, but the best of it all is if we live our lives caring for ourselves, caring for others, and caring for the whole world. And um, so here we see three different examples of the Buddha's teachings where caring for the world is integral to it. And um, and the, last, the one I told first about sending people off to fully mature people to care for the world, um, there's the idea is that when you're fully liberated, uh, you ha- you're experiencing for yourself the best possible way of living in this world, the greatest happiness, the greatest peace. So there's no need to kind of focus on oneself in the same way anymore to attain that what's been attained. And then what's next is to care for others. So whether one is beginning in practice or in the middle of practice or uh, at the end of the whole cycle of practice, that um, in the Buddha's teachings at least, that... um, uh, this uh, inclusion of the well-being of others is important. And and in the first beginning teachings to his son, a, a, a tremendous care about the consequences of our actions. What's the impact that we our lives, how we live, has on the world around us? And 
And one of the things that the coronavirus teaches us is that that impact might be invisible to us. How we uh, buy consumer goods. Uh, you know, we don't see the impact of the on the people who uh, mine the resources. We don't see the impact on the countries and the peoples from who's, who made it in factories, sweat, sweat houses or in factories. We don't see the impact in pollution and on the environment and the communities that are impacted by that. And so to be concerned about the impact, the consequence of our actions on others can also start to involve a, a care and sensitivity to the unseen ways that we impact the world. Because it would be nice if we could live in the world without um, any harm caused to this world, uh, both seen and unseen, known and unknown. What a great thing it would be. And what a great thing it is to meet people and know there are people in this world who are living with this kind of care and this kind of sensitivity because they're free, because they matured and developed and they know how to do this in a way that uh, nourishes the best in our hearts. So as we come to the end, I don't know the end, we've come to this, this phase of the pandemic, I think it's a wonderful time to reflect a little bit about how, um, how beneficial it is for self and for others to include in our practice um, the welfare and happiness of others as well. So, thank you very much.